0: And tonight we have the privilege to have one of our former Master's Commission students with us, Aziel Nunez. He told me he graduated in 2014, I think he said, so it's been a while now. Six years ago he graduated. He was here uh, working on staff with us for a short while, and now he's been traveling the world. Um, He's ministering in Arizona. He currently has a a ministry program that's like the Master's Commission program. It's called Ignite, and he has a group of students here with him tonight. They're actually ministering to our youth tonight in their service, and so Ozzy's going to be speaking to us. But uh, we wanted to take a, just a, an opportunity. How many of you you know, you understand something? The Lord says, whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. It's, it's important to learn how to sow, isn't it? It's important to sow because if you, if you don't sow, guess what you don't do? You don't reap. But if you sow and you sow into good soil, the word of God says you can reap 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. And so tonight we're gonna give you an opportunity to sow into Aziel Nunez ministry. And so I wanna have our ushers come on down. You're under no obligation to give. This is a free event, okay? But you, if you wanna sow, I can tell you this is good soil now. I can tell you this is good soil, and I've had the opportunity to see some of the fruit of his ministry over the years, and you're going to be blessed tonight as he speaks to you and uh, as he ministers. And so I just want to pray for, for him and for his his ministry and bless him tonight. Hey, if you, if you didn't come prepared to give, you can write an IOU, you can give on the app if you have the app or... Um, I don't know. There's some other ways. I guess you could figure out something, but um, just let us know. So, Lord, we just thank you tonight for this young man and his, his wife, Janadi. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing through their ministry. Lord, I thank you that you are literally reaching the world through these these young people. Lord, that they're training up and raising up people to, to love God, to know God, and to make him known in the earth. And I thank you, Lord, for their ministry and for what you've put in their hearts to do to reach this generation, because we are in desperate need of people who will reach this young generation. And we thank you, Lord, that you put that into their hearts. I thank you, Lord, for blessing them tonight in the name of Jesus. We speak a blessing and the favor of God to rule over them. And we rebuke the enemy from trying to come against them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that they are walking in the blessing and favor of the almighty God. And tonight, Lord, I pray that as we give, Lord, I thank you that we get to sow. And as we sow, Lord, I thank you that this is going to go into good soil and it's going to be blessed. And I thank you for blessing each person that gives because they're going to reap a harvest of that, too. So we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. 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 So, guys. And while you're doing that, I'm going to invite Ozzy to come on up. I told him we'll, uh, we'll uh, give him the microphone by seven. So look at that—you got two extra minutes now, Ozzy, to uh, minister tonight. So would you just welcome Ozzie L. Nunez this m- tonight? Amen. God bless you. Welcome, Thank you. Thank
1: well. you. Thank and you, uh, and
0: I'll, I'll just say this too—I've known Ozzy now for—he was here three years before. Well, he was here for three years. He did all three years of masters here. And um, I want to tell you—I have seen God just work in his life in incredible ways. I, I want to tell you, hes it was amazing to see him from the time he first came here. If you remember anybody here that first year when Ozzy was here to where he is now, man, I want to tell you, God's so good, isn't he? God's so good, and he's just been doing such a work in all of these students, but especially this young man, God has such a His hand upon his life, and you're going to be blessed tonight. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Dave. And um, just like I was um, telling him and telling the students that I brought with me, um, that, you know, coming here to uh, First Assembly was always a, a privilege for me. And it was a gift from God to be able to be under a lot of you. You know, whether it was you just bringing me on a on a meal on a Sunday or bringing me, you, bringing me in into some of your homes and having Pastor Kim, Pastor Dave, and a lot of the staff from First Assembly just pour into my life. And I think I was telling Pastor Kim today, uh, we were talking about, you know, how sometimes we get some students that maybe they should go to Team Challenge, but I think I was one of those that didn't get to go to Team Challenge, but came here by the grace of God, and, um, and I'm just so grateful. I'm very grateful, and I, I just want to thank each and every one of you. If you had any contact with me as far as when I was here in the School of Ministry, um, I'm indebted to each of you and where the Lord has me now, so thank you so much, and Thank you, Pastor Dave, for just uh, being faithful and, you know, like I always tell you, look up to you like a dad. So thank you for everything. Um, But how is everybody doing tonight? Good, good. It's a Wednesday night. Um, I know usually people sit here, but I I don't like to sit, so I hope that's okay um, with all of you. Um, Just a a little bit of update. Uh, Just like they mentioned, we are in Phoenix, Arizona. A lot of people don't like to go there because it's so hot. Um, but I would like to think that the reason why I'm there is to keep me safe. You know, the first time that I went there, I said, how are people not believing in Jesus? In the, man, in the matter that is so hot in here, there's no other way that you're not going to be safe. I mean, think about it. Hell is hotter. So if you're in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're not safe, something must be wrong with you. That's what I would say. But um, so we're, we're there by the grace of God, and we've been there now for two and I have years now, and um, by the grace of God, just like he mentioned, we have the School of Ministry, and uh, just this year, we were also able to open up a Bible Institute for adults, um, and, and so not only do we work under a church, but we're also working with a district that is for, um, it's a district that is comprised of about 60 churches, and so in nice School of Ministry, Became the only discipleship school that they used to disciple their ministers up, uh, coming up. So praise God for that. Um, and so we're being, we, right now we have 11 students in the Bible Institute. We have nine students in the School of Ministry. And so up to now, we have been able to have, and also in the summer internship, it never stops. In the summer, we have a summer internship where uh, young people from the age of 12 all the way to 28 years old come. And they live with us on the college campuses. And we we'll would be able to have about um, 130 students now go through the Ignite program, whether it is for the Bible, college, uh, the summer internship, all the school of ministry. And um, I'm sure a lot of parents are grateful that we are there. Um, but everything that we're doing is everything that we learned while being here. So um, I know that my wife is up there. She's about to translate in the booth. Um, like I always mention, she's the sugar to my coffee. The caramel to my ice cream. But um, so just to tell you much, that, that God is being good to us. And, um, and he is uh, opening up doors that we never saw him open. Um, as you guys know, I was able to write a book um, called Civil War Generation, which I came, I think, last year and brought it here. And I was able to translate that into Spanish as well. So that's, that's doing really well. Um, but enough about that. Uh, today, I believe that I want to speak to you guys about a word that the Lord has laid on my heart. And, um, and so tonight, I want to speak to you about hope. I want to speak to you about hope because I think in, the, in all the situations that we're in, there's a lot of things and a lot of ways that we can misinterpret the hope that we have, which is in Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and because our hope is in Jesus Christ... A lot of the times that hope can get mixed in with unbelief, uh, with things from the world, and all of these different things. And I believe that it was through the latter part of 2019 where the Lord was really speaking to me about this verse. And if we can all go to Romans chapter 4, verse 18, and um, we're going to start there. I really believe um, that the Lord will speak to each and every one of us tonight tonight. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says that even where there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he will become the father of many nations. For God has said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. I remember when the Lord spoke to me about this verse And about just the situation and just about the year 2020. And that maybe the reason and the way that you have started the year 2020 has been that there has been a lot of things coming against you. Coming against your family. Coming against your finances. Coming against even uh, some of your own family members. And I I heard the Lord speak uh, in the latter part of 2019 going to 2020. He said, at the beginning of the year... There are many of my people that will go through things that will look like the odds are against them. But have hope and have faith because the odds are going to be turned towards your favor. Can somebody say amen to that? And so I want to speak to you about how to turn the odds against you towards your favor. Because God not only wants the odds to be against you, but he has given us power. He has given us authority that the odds... It doesn't matter what odds may look like. It could be the odds being against you in your workplace. It could be the odds, the odds coming against you, even in your own family, even in the community that you live, even in, the, in your own church. And so I believe that when the Lord laid this upon my heart, what he says in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, he says, if we can really get a grasp of what he's saying there, he says, even when there was no reason to hope. Have you ever been there? When there's not even not even a hint of reason for you to hope Abraham said that he hoped in God and that he hoped in the word that God had laid upon his heart to believe even when nothing looked like it was going to happen if we think about it Abraham we know the story about Abraham where he was years ninety nine years old and he was hoping to have a baby uh, with his wife Sarah but 99 years old, there's nothing that's going to happen at 99. Let me just tell you that. If you're 60, 70, you know, all that hope just fades away. Now you're at 99. And God tells Abraham, you need to believe that I'm going to give you a descendant so that the promise can go through him. And so sometimes I believe many of us know what hope is. You know, if I can tell you, all of us here are very acquainted with what the word hope is. And what does hope really means for our lives? Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I really, need, I really need some water. But how many of us know that sometimes our hope in God can become a secular hope? What do I mean by that? Sometimes when we're hoping in God and we're hoping in his word and we don't see nothing moving, we don't see nothing changing, the word hope just means that we just need to put our trust in the one whose hope has come inside of us. That's what Colossians says, that Jesus is the hope of glory. He was the mystery being hidden for ages that now has been revealed to all of us. But what is secular hope? And I know just by reading that some of us may know about biblical hope, but sometimes, although we would like to live on biblical hope, A lot of the times we're living on secular hope. What is secular hope? Secular hope is when you just trust in your own strength. You're believing that, yeah, the Bible says that God will provide all of my needs. And you're hoping in that. But all of a sudden you begin to trust in that your job is not going to provide the need. You're believing that God, you know, that God says in his word that he's going to heal you. But all of a sudden, we begin to trust in the reports of the doctors and many different things. And that's why I believe that sometimes our hope can become in a secular way. And how does our hope become secular? Secular, right, means that we're trusting in the system of this world. Anything that has to do with you trusting in your own strength, in you coming up with a solution, you and I were never meant to come up with a solution. The Spirit of God inside of you, was the one that was meant to give you the solution to every situation you face on a daily basis. Can we say amen to that? And so because of that, I believe that many people are hoping in their marriage, hoping in, that, in, a, in another person, hoping in a relationship, hoping in a solution of the system of this world. But well, How many of us know that by us having that kind of hope, it will always leave us lacking? it will always leave us not being able to be fulfilled. Because the true hope that you and I can trust in is in God. And him coming inside of us, being the hope of glory, can really feel that need and and is able to make us run the race that he has called us to race. And so tonight, how do we understand and how do we know whether we are believing God on circular hope or we're believing God on biblical hope? Just like I explained to you, if tonight you're hoping on a promise from God, you're hoping on, on, on that the Word of God will become alive in you and is going to bring about the deliverance that you need, that is you trusting in biblical hope. But if tonight you find yourself in that the only way you're going to solutionize the situation in your life is by your own strength, by you coming up with the answer, by you coming up with the solution, I believe that that's what the Bible describes as biblical hope. And tonight we're going to differentiate, right? What is biblical hope? I told you the definition about secular hope. But if you're taking notes, what is the biblical hope? Biblical hope is the confidence that the integrity of God's work will always come about to bring redemption into the very thing that we need redeeming from. That's what biblical hope is. The faithful will always experience the fullness of God because they're hoping in God. The the one who has integrity will always experience the faithfulness of God because they're hoping in that integrity that if they do what God has called them to do, eventually God will bring out the victory for each and every one of them. Biblical hope rests on the ability that God can do all things in all ways even in the midst of impossibilities. That is what biblical hope is. That is what God calls us to live, even in this time. And why is the reason that we need to speak about this? Because I believe now, even in this time, you know, talking about the coronavirus, all kinds of things being loosed into the atmosphere, into this world, people are living hopeless. They're living on this biblical hope, not knowing that there is an answer for their need. That there is a solution for what they're going through, and you and I have that, but we first have to experience it for ourselves before we bring it to somebody else. Can somebody say amen to that? And so tonight, I want to break it down into that there is three types of hopes that you need to have for this hour. Why do you need to have three three types of hopes? Number one, you need to have hope in the midst of the impossible, just like Abraham. Number two, you need to have hope in redemption and restoration, just like Joseph did in the book of Genesis. Number three, you need to have hope facing oppositions and obstacles, just like the Apostle Paul faced, even in his own life. And so if we're going to break this down, right, Colossians 1.27, the Bible says, God, in his eternal plan, chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches and the glories of these mysteries, which is Christ among you, the hope of glory, the guaranteed of the glory of God living inside of you. And that's powerful. The glory of God is living inside of you. So why should we be hopeless today? Why should our family members be hopeless today? Why should our children be hopeless today? If you, as a man of God, as a woman of God, have the hope of glory living right in the inside of you. Not only that, but it says, Jesus, since the beginning of creation, knew that humanity would need a hope to live on. Because living in our own hope has not taken us anywhere. We realize that, right? And because of that, biblical hope it's not hoping on clouds and making little of the situation or ignoring the situation. No, that's not what biblical hope is. But you know what biblical hope is? Biblical hope is that, yes, I'm going through it, but I will not stay here. I'm going to come out of this to the side of victory. Can somebody say amen to that? That's what biblical hope is. That is what you're communicating. That is what you're transferring to the people around you and where you are. Because, again... That hope is not just for us to keep it for ourselves. It would be very good if we just come together and we keep this hope for one another. But that hope is meant for it to work at your job. That hope is meant to work at your school. That hope is meant to work as you're waiting on the grocery line. And so again, Christ was crucified and he died and rose on the third day. That's why you know that your hope is real. Because you're not hoping on Muhammad. Mohammed. You're not hoping on Allah. We don't know what happened to those guys. Those guys die and they stay in the tomb. But our God, Jesus Christ, resurrected on the third day. And that's why our hope is alive today. Your hope is alive today, church. You're not hoping on, on, you know, like they always say, right? Uh, Sometimes uh, my car, right? I I used to have this little uh, jalopy car. And And it used to be run down. And so people used to tell me, man, your car is running on hopes and dreams. That's not what your hope is running on. Your hope is running based on the word of God. Your hope is running based on the powerful word and eternal word that has been sowing into you day after day as you've been coming together to learn about him. And so again, our hope is not baseless. Our hope, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have any foundation. But the foundation is that Christ died, Christ was crucified, and he rose on the third day. That's a, that's a good preaching right there. I don't know about you, but I feel happy by just saying that. A lot of people today, the reason why they have circular hope in their lives is because they're hoping based on past experiences. Sometimes we hope in God, but we're hoping based on what happened yesterday. And maybe yesterday wasn't a good day for us. But again, I want to tell you tonight That if you're going to hope in God, you can't hope on God based on your experiences from the past. You got to let go from the past. Because the word of God tells us, you've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come now. So if you're going to hope in God, you need to hope based on the future and in the prophetic word that he has given you for the future. Not from the past. The days of old have passed away. Now behold, there's something new that is ahead for us. You know, I think about just in the the transition that the church is going through, as far as, you know, uh, Pastor Dave, you know, congratulating him, becoming the senior pastor, Pastor Giorelli becoming the director, you know, a new youth pastor. And so there's great things ahead for First Assembly. How do I know that? Because I know... Because of the hope that has been sowing through pastor Kim's ministry over and over Sunday by Sunday Wednesday by Wednesday and so that hope is not just going to banish all of a sudden but it's going to go from glory to glory as we experience new ways of his spirit as we as we look towards the future and what he has for this church which is something great and something big why because this church is placed specifically here you think about I'm always a big a big I'm always big on thinking about what happened in the, in the old days, right? You think about First Assembly. This used to be a church that was an oasis for the city. And by the way that we're living now and the status that we are in today as First Assembly, it doesn't mean that has vanished. Not whatsoever. But I believe that it has been that we have gone through a refinement time as the church. We have been going through a refinement time where uh, people have been learning about the Word of God, about the Word of faith. Why? Because there's an appointed time where people are going to be running to First Assembly. I always say about the dreams and visions that God gave me while I was here. I always saw the vision of this church being filled where there will be a line of people waiting outside, just waiting to come in. And you just wait because it may not be in our timing, but it will be certainly in God's timing. I will say that again. It may not be in our timing or in Pastor Kim's timing, but it will be in God's timing according to what he wants to do in this church. And so I say this again. The hope that we believe, the hope that we profess, the hope that we are a steward of in this church, let's not let it go to waste. But let's keep on stewarding and continuing to build upon that because there will be upon a time where people are gonna want to tap in and want what you have today. Trust me when I say that. And so a lot of people today believe that the real hope is only resting upon the things that can come to them through material possessions and many different things. And that's not who we are. That's not the DNA that you and I should have in this world because real hope says this and real hope is That you and I have a testimony with God. And we've seen God work in the past. We've seen God work in the present. And we will see God work in the future. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can somebody say amen to that? So when I tell you, hope in the midst of the impossible. I want to speak to those here who are facing impossibilities in their lives. Because hope is for you if you're facing something impossible in your life. We talked about having faith like Abraham did. The Bible says that Abraham hoped where there was no reason to hope. There was not even an inch of hope for him to hope for. Not even a mustard seed for him to hope for. But yet he hoped in God. And God did the work. But what is it that we need to do as believers in order to hope in the midst of the impossible? I want to tell you tonight is that real hope requires radical faith. Real hope requires radical faith. Abraham, as you can see, had radical faith in God, and that impossible thing became possible because of his radical faith in who he trusted in. And so tonight, it's not for us to throw in the towel if you're facing something impossible. It's not for you to even say, you know what? It's going to be in God's timing. You know, when the angels sound the trumpet, maybe that will be my time. No. No. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God can come and bring about the the possibilities of the impossible situation. So even when it seems hopeless, even when it seems impossible, God wants to increase hope in you according to the proportion of your faith. You have faith tonight. I believe that the more faith and the more experiences we get with God and the more miracles happen in our life, that's how our hope increases inside of us. And isn't it interesting that in Hebrews, the Bible says that Abraham died full of hope. Full of hope, Abraham died. Because every impossible situation he came across, he was growing on the inside. God was working something inside of him. And when it came the time for him to be called unto heaven, the Bible says that he died full of hope. I want to be that guy. I don't know about you. I don't want to die with my tank on E when my tank can be on F, full of hope. Let that be something that you think about tonight. As you're walking with God, where is your hope gauge tonight? Are you three quarters of hope? Are you you, you fourth, fourth and a half? Whatever that may be, God has provided for us to be on F, full of hope, full of the word of God inside of us, full of his spirit in order for us to come. Because, again, your hope will always be tested when you think that it's not about to happen. Because we also know that the enemy rolls around like a roaring lion. And he comes in the times that you think he, he will not come. That's one of his tactics. He attacks the believer out of the sudden. But again, but the Bible says that you and I will be ready in all times, in all seasons, in all moments, if we're having full of hope. Notice, Abraham had no clue what God had in plan when he was called to live and to follow him. But you will see that as he progresses in obedience, his hope begins to increase in the inside of him because hope is trust in what God said about you is going to happen. There's no doubt in in, in, in that. Hope is that God will make about what he said about you already. God has already a book written with your testimonies, with your miracles, with the deliverance that you need. All you need to do is put all of your hope upon him. Not have secular hope, but have biblical hope. And again, what is something impossible? Abraham had an impossible situation. He was 99. His wife was past age, bearing children, but he had a promise from God. So maybe you think that the situation you're facing today is impossible, but you have a promise from God. Maybe... The deliverance that you're waiting on God and the victory and the healing, it may look like it's impossible. The doctors made it seem impossible, but you have a promise from God. Maybe even your own family members told you that it was going to be impossible, but you have a promise from God. Maybe even your own church leaders told you that it was going to be impossible. It happens many times, but you have a promise from God. And we can rest upon that. We can take that to the bank, like we would say, to some things. And so again, Abraham, in the midst of impossibilities, he trusted. And what happened? It was impossible that he would bear a child. It was impossible, right? It's impossible that that relationship that you're believing for will get restored. It's impossible that you will get healed according to the system of this world. It's impossible... That maybe because of your past, you will not be something that God has called you to. It's impossible in many different ways. But you have a promise from God. And because you have a promise from God, that hope can become a biblical hope that you can trust in. Can somebody say amen to that? So no matter what you're facing today, again, no matter what you're facing, there are those of us here who are facing circumstances beyond our control. I'm sure there are things that each of us are facing that is beyond our control. And what do you do when it's beyond your control? Where do you leave it to when it's beyond your control? You Can't do anything about it. It doesn't matter how many times you rock in that rocking chair. It's not going anywhere. It's just going to be in the same place, in the same nightstand, in the same living room. It's not going anywhere. You can rock a thousand times and it will still be in the same place. That's what happens when we have circular hope. But when you have biblical hope, something, trust me, whether it is behind the scene, whether you're seeing it or not, something is advancing for your own good. There are angels fighting for your own good. There is deliverance and things being moved out of the way for your own good. So tonight, we believe that against all odds, many people, fought in the Bible against odds. You think about David fighting against Goliath. That was against his odds. You think about Abraham, right, believing for a baby. You think about Rahab. You know, you think about Esther being the only woman in the kingdom about to be killed. You think about all of these men of God throughout the Bible. In every single story, in every book of the Bible, everything was dealt against them. But guess what? They had a promise from God. Therefore, everything was turned towards their favor. That's why you can't panic right now. That's why God says, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 9, verse 8. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. Listen to that. In another version says... The cry of the righteous will never be ignored. The hope of the poor will never be crushed, but is going to be taken up by order of the kingdom of God. And God will charge his angels over your life to go and fight your battles. Everything looks like the outcome is going to be the opposite of what God spoke of. For many people today, maybe that's not you today. Maybe you're on the mountaintop, and that's good. May the Lord bless you. And keep you and protect you. But I assure you that in this walk, there will be times where everything will seem like it's coming against you. And that is the times that we must not give up. That is the time where the outcome is not going to be as you see it with your eyes. But it's going to be as you see it with the eyes of faith. For many people's faith have shipwrecked. Because they have allowed the enemy to steal their hope based on faith. But if you put your faith in God and your hope is in God, God will keep the devil out of your life. He will keep the devil out of your circumstances. He will keep the devil out of you having to trust in human efforts. Because remember, Abraham was not always full of hope. There were times where, if you remember, he reached out to his Concabine his main servant, and he tried to have the promise by his own efforts. And what happens many times when we try to do things in our own efforts? We bring about a miscarriage of what God wants to do in our lives. There has been many times, maybe you can think back in your own life, where you were faced against an impossibility, and God said, "Just wait and be still, but we couldn't wait." And so we went and took decisions upon ourselves, and what happened? we had a miscarriage of what God was about to do. But isn't it God awesome? Because he always, always being redemption when we come under him and we repent and we say, God, we missed it. God, I know I should have waited on you. I know I should have held on before moving forward with this situation, but I waited upon your word and now I repent of it and God puts you right back where you left off. That is the God that you and I serve. Again, Look at Genesis 21, 1 through 2. It says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened just in time, God said it would. And so again, facing impossibilities. For those of you facing impossibilities today, God says, if you put my hope in biblical hope, that impossibility will turn into possibility. Number two, you need to have hope in redemption, in the redemptive power of God. Sometimes in our lives as Christians, whether it may be because we couldn't amend a relationship or a friendship or even a family relationship, sometimes those things have been left shipwrecked. And we have never gone back because We just keep on moving with the Lord. But I believe the heart of God is not for us to keep on moving, but it's for everybody to get to the race at the same time. It's not the fastest that run the race. It's how many get there together. That's how the race of faith is. And so sometimes, right, in Genesis chapter 37, we have the example of Joseph. The Bible says in Genesis 37, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their fathers loved him more than the rest of them and they couldn't say a kind word to him. So check that out Joseph was hated. Joseph was mistreated. Joseph was an outcast. Joseph had enemies. How many of us today have some people like that around us? Or maybe everything is at peace around you. But I assure you that when God begins to bless your life, when God begins to prosper you, when God begins to open up doors for you, the enemy will make sure that there will be people that will not be happy about it. Not because of them, but because they allow to be used by the enemy against your life. That's why in the times of your greatest blessing, you always had a lot of opposition around you. Why was that? Because the enemy was not happy about what was happening in your life. And look at what happened to Joseph. God gave Joseph a dream. And I'm not even talking about friends from far away. These were his own brothers that hated him, mistreated him, sold him as a slave, put him in prison. I mean, their plan was to kill him, but they had some mercy, and they sold him as a slave. They had some little mercy, and they sold him as a slave. But again, what were the things that Joseph went through in his journey? Joseph was a slave. He went to prison. Then he began to serve Potiphar. And then he was wrongly accused of having something to do with Potiphar's wife. And then he began to be persecuted and put in a prison again. I'm sure Joseph in that prison spent a bunch of years of his life just being there hoping in who? Hoping in God. What would have happened to Joseph if he would have hoped in his own strength? Probably would have killed himself in that prison. God, you gave me a dream. God, you gave me a promise, but I don't see it happening. What, has, what is going on? But Joseph hoped in that God was to bring about what he promised him. And eventually, right, all of us know what the rest of the story is, is that now God delivers Joseph out of prison, and he begins to put him in second in command over the whole, uh, over the whole nation And now the same brothers that mistreated him, that betrayed him, that came against him, now are coming to ask from him because they need him. What would have been our response if our hope was in biblical hope? We probably would have sent all of them to get killed. But Joseph said, it's not their fault. You know what he said? You meant... What the enemy meant to harm me, harm me, has now made me who I am. Think about that. What your enemies, the people has, that have mistreated you, the people that have wrongly accused you of things—you know what God is going to do. That was meant to harm you, but if your hope is secure in God. And you, all you did, instead of speaking wrongful about them, instead of speaking a curse against them, all you did was bless them. And you say, God, I don't know why they're coming against you, but I know who's working behind them. I know who's working behind them. Therefore, I'm not going to take it against them. I'm going to take it with you so that you will be my defender. You will be the one that will fight my battles. And eventually, you see, because Joseph put this hope in the middle of him having a disruption in his family, what happened? That hope brought redemption to his whole family, and not even his own family, the whole nation. Check that out. Because Joseph hoped in God, not only was his family blessed, but now he's blessing the nation and the nations around him. I wonder if we if we would take the same way that Joseph did, how many people will be blessed? How much of this city will be blessed if we would take that same approach? How many members of this church will be blessed if rather for us to take it up against them, we will understand that there's somebody working behind them and therefore we will pray for them. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Say amen to that, because that's the word of God. So Joseph was taken to a process just like each of us have been taken through a process and will be taken through a process and will continue going through a process until when? Until we see him face to face. That's what the Bible says. If you're expecting for this life to be roses and all chocolates and stuff like that, then you got another thing coming for you. Because in this life, God doesn't just want you to live. He wants you to live abundantly. But he has to renew our minds. He has to renew our mindsets and the way we think and the way we live. And how does he do that? By refining us from time to time. He says that God's fire is a refining fire. It's not to harm you. It's to grow you into becoming more like Jesus every day. And so again, Genesis 45, verse 4, it says, Joseph told them, please come closer. And then in verse 7, he says, God has sent me ahead of you to keep your families alive and to preserve my many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. You didn't sell me as a slave. I know you did it in harm, but it was God working in all of this. I didn't see it back then, but now I see it because I'm mature. I didn't see it back then, but now I see it because God has refined me. I didn't see it back then because I was prideful. But now I come in humility and now I can see God working behind the scene. So hope restores. Hope not only turns the impossibilities in your life possible, but hope also restores. Think about anything in your life that needs restoration tonight. Hope can restore that. I just showed you that in the Bible. Genesis 50, 20, you intended for evil, but God intended it all for good. He brought me out of this position so that I could save lives and many lives of people. The devil will intend many evil things for you to stay out of hope. You can trust in that. I mean, look all around you. Look in this world. The devil is just bringing up news upon news, reports upon reports, so that people can live outside of hope but that's not going to be you because the devil will cause the mistreatment he will cause a sense of loneliness and that is why what the devil meant for evil is not going to work against you but today you can make right by telling God and saying God I'm not going to allow the devil to steal my hope I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal my joy I'm not going to allow the devil to steal my position and my authority as a son and daughter of God. Can you say amen to that? Hope redeems. Look at Psalms 130, verse 7 to 8. It says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His love will never fail for you, it's unfailing love. And then it says, His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel for every kind of sin. It's powerful. Hope redeems today. I don't know what you need redemption from. Only you know what you need redemption from. Maybe you need redemption in your own family. You have some troubles and some disputes with family members, but hope can redeem that if you will bring hope into the situation. Maybe there's something going on at your job where you feel like people are coming against you and they don't even understand you or the way that you live. Hope can redeem that if you will bring hope into the situation. Maybe you're having disruption even in the business aspect where there's some business partners that are just coming against you for no kind of reason. Hope can redeem that relationship if you will bring hope into the midst of it. And so again, hope redeems. Now to the last one. Hope in facing oppositions and obstacles that are meant to take you out. If we read the Bible, right, the Apostle Paul talked about all kinds of crazy things. Even in James, he says, listen, count it all joy when you find yourself in the midst of trials because everybody around the world is going through the same thing. Do you know that you're not the only one going through that situation? There's so many other believers around this world who are going through the same kind of opposition or attack that you may be going through. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, 27. Look at the way Paul explains of what he was going through. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night uh, in a day adrift at sea. I have traveled and to many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have sh- shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burdens of my concern for all the churches. What kind of hope can you have in that? Isn't that crazy? What kind of hope can you have in the midst of facing? All of these oppositions coming against you. But you know what? There is hope for the impossibilities. There is hope to redeem things in your life. As well, if we don't pay close attention, God wants to do everything for your good. But there's something else coming, a greater work, that is not more powerful than you. It may seem that he's more powerful than you, but you're more powerful than the devil i say that again. The God that lives inside of you is more powerful than the devil that is coming against you. That's why I say tonight that Paul faced many obstacles. As long as you and I are in this world, obstacles will arise. Opposition will come from many different sides. But the Bible says, take heart. Paul's hope was placed in Jesus. You don't go through all of these things that I mentioned and not have hope in Jesus. I mean, by the first shipwreck, if he was hoping in himself, he would have given up. None of the churches would have been planted. None of the people would have, none of the demons would have been casted out. None of the things that he did for the kingdom of God would have happened. Because again, his strength and his hope didn't come from himself. Your hope and your strength is not coming just from you. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. If I've put my eyes, right, I lift up my eyes towards the hills to where my help comes from. And where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from God. Hope can be alive again in you and me because without hope, it's impossible to tap into the promises of God. It is impossible. For you not to hope in God and to trust in your own strength and believe that you're going to receive what God has for you. You have to hope in God. You have to trust in his word in order to receive everything that he has made available for you. Psalms 45, 11. The Bible says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? But then he says, I will put my hope in God. That's what I'm telling you all this night. Put your hope in God. He says, I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So where, when there is no hope, my faith diminishes. When there is no hope, joy no longer exists inside of me. When there is no hope, God's promises look impossible. When there is no hope, God's wisdom Seems absent from the situations that I'm coming across. When there is no hope, Christ is not at the center of our lives. But what is the opposite? That when we are hoping in God, hope becomes alive. My faith increases. My joy is no longer absent, but my joy is present for me to have it in me and for me to give it to somebody else. The promises of God do not look impossible anymore, but they look possible through him. And, and not only that, but God becomes the center of my life. And doubt leaves because God does what he says he will do. Somebody say amen to that. And so tonight, I tell you, what kind of hope are you living on? Are you living on secular hope? Even though you come to church? Even though you are a Christian? Because I can tell you that many times, even as Christians, we can begin to trust in the system of this world. But the Bible says that the blessing will come to those who hope in the Lord. Not those who hope in their jobs. Not those who hope in their bank account. Not those who hope in their retirement. But those who hope in the Lord your God. Can you stand with me this evening? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We can all just bow your heads. And like I mentioned, some of you are here today and you may be wondering, Pastor, where do I obtain this hope that you're talking about? Where can I get this type of hope that you're saying, uh, give yourself to the Lord and give yourself to God and, one of the things that I would say is, in order to have this hope, I think we first have to surrender some things in our lives. Surrender it to God, whatever that may be, so that the hope of God can come inside of you. So right now, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for what the word that you have deposited here in First Assembly. God, I am praying for every person in this room who may have lost hope in the midst of the situation. Maybe there's some people here who have been facing things and they thought that it was impossible for them to hope again in God. Some of us here uh, have believed that the opposition coming against us is greater. Some of us have believed the lie that the hope can never can never restore the things that we have lost in the past. But tonight, God, we call upon you for you to restore our hope, for you to make those situations that are impossible possible in us. And for you to make everything that is coming against us now to work in our favor because we are the children of God. Holy Spirit, I pray over every household that is represented here. I pray over every family, every father, every mother, every children, God, that is represented, God, in this circle of people. That's a night we're not going to leave out of these doors going away with hopelessness a hope is being planted in each and every one of us like never before that the hope that is being planted in us god is going to be to fight off the enemy of our children to fight off the enemy of the promises of god to fight off the enemy over our community over our church and for your kingdom to be established through what you're doing in our lives so father we thank you this morning we give you the glory and all the praise and that you will make this seed prosper in the due time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Pastor Dave.
0: Hey, can we just give the Lord a hand tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Ozzy, for that word. That was a good word, wasn't it? And I uh, hope that you guys were blessed by that, and that was just awesome. So just want to say uh, thank you to you, Ozzy, and to Janadi, and to uh, your Ignite team for being here tonight. I know the youth are having a good time up there, and uh, just uh, being blessed tonight. So let's just close with a word of prayer. We just thank you, Lord, for uh, all that was spoken to us tonight. I thank you, Lord, that we will be, Lord, not people who just hear, but people who do the word. I thank you, Lord, that we have hope and we're going to walk in hope tonight in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. 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 God bless you guys. We'll see you on Sunday.